Thank you, Church, again for taking the time. I know, uh, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it's been a very tiresome day. But um, praise the Lord that we're here. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles tonight, and we'll turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter five. Here in Mark chapter five, and we we'll begin reading in verse twenty-one, and we'll read a couple of verses. And I'd like to just again, similarly to. Um, Sunday morning, I'd like to go through a passage of scripture that, um, that I've read again multiple times and the Lord just reveals some things to you. Um, it's quite interesting. So Mark chapter 5 and we'll begin reading in verse 21. Mark chapter 5 verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And uh, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So this is Jairus falling at Jesus' feet. In verse 23, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And tonight the sermon, or just really a, a, a thought tonight, is entitled Two for One. Two for One. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for this opportunity to open up the Bible. And I pray, Father God, that you help us to listen and adhere to the Scriptures and even though it may be simplistic in some manner, but the application of these will help us tremendously as we desire to glorify you with our life. And again, I thank you for the privilege to stand behind this pulpit again. I ask that your name will be lifted. And Lord, we not just be hearers tonight, but doers of the word. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there's these things that the, the fuel stations are really good at. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm, I'm really, uh, it's really difficult for me to go to a fuel station, and if I need to buy a drink of water, um, they always do this to me, and, and this is what they do. They, you go there, you fill it up the car, and, and, and you go in, you get a bottle of water, and you put it on the, on the desk, and she goes, are you just going to get one? And you're like, yes, I just want one. She goes, but do you know? If you get two, it's only like a dollar extra. And for me, this is what happens. Okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Ask my wife. She's, she gets upset all the time. I, ro I rock up just for one drink. I come out with like two or three. You know, Because it's, it's, it's a bargain, right? It's something that sort of intrigues you, something that you don't need. But at the same time, when that person asks you that question, you just go, wait, I'm actually saving money by spending more money. Have you ever been in that predicament? I have, definitely. And it's not just in fuel stations these days. Now it's everywhere else, like office works. You can't just buy one book. You have to buy five. Or you have to, if you go to Costco, right? Costco is a place. You go in there to buy one thing, and you come out with a stack of things, and you, you thought you were only going to spend 20 bucks, and you end up spending $150 because it's more cheaper if you buy more at the same time. And here we have a story in Scripture where Jesus Christ has just performed a, a great 
miraculous miracle and he, he, he cast a demon out of a man. And now he's gone on to this other side and this man comes up to him. He wasn't just a normal man. He was Jairus. He was one of the leaders of the synagogue. He was pretty up there. And the first point for tonight and jumping straight into it is simply this. Humility gets God's attention. Humility gets God's attention. In verse 21, uh, 22, it says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And again, uh, I, was, I was discussing with Jai before we, we started. He said it was one of his first times to be in prayer meeting. He goes, do you understand why we go on our knees? And it's like a, a humility towards God. You're giving reverence towards God. We understand that just because you're on your knees doesn't mean you're giving reverence to God. Amen? But we can do that in the car as we drive. We can do that in different times of our life. But we could be praying and physically we'll be on our knees. But inside, we're standing up. Inside, we're not in the right position. Inside, we know that there's sin in our heart that we're just harboring. And you know what? God sees through that. And as Jesus Christ turned around and said there was a large group of people already with him, the person that got his attention was a person on his knees before him. Understand that humility gets God's attention. Humility gets God's attention. And he besought him greatly, saying, verse 23, Mark chapter 5, verse 23, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, Lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come, lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she, what's that word? Shall. Shall live. That statement was, oh, I'm going to use you just because you might work. No, no. If you do this, God, if you do this, Jesus, she's going to live. I need you to come. I need you to be here. And you see the desperation again in Jairus' position and his, his wording. Jesus reacts towards the ruler in a sense of compassion. But see, just like Jesus, we see opportunities that, that cause us to have some emotional compassion. Um, in, in Thailand, I got the opportunity to see a lot of that. When, you, when the little kids got up to sing here and, and knowing that their mom and their dad actually are still alive, and when they were born, they left them at the front of the gate. And they stood up there and they sung about the blood of Jesus Christ. And now they're, they're 12 years old, and now they're 13 years old. There's people there. There's teenagers that grew up throughout their whole life. And now they're 21, 35 years, uh, 21, 25 years old, adults, and what they're doing is now they're getting ready for ministry. They're going to actually do something with their life. And there were the same little babies that were just dropped off in front of the blue gate. And it's, like, it's a bit daunting when you drive through it because you know that this is, this is probably the last time their parents ever saw them was at that blue gate. And, and you can have compassion on that. But if we're not careful, we'll have compassion but not do anything. Jesus Christ saw that and saw the man that had humbled himself and he could have had compassion and yes, he did. But his compassion was coupled with action. Yes? Do you agree with that? Why? Because he actually went with him. Jesus Christ went with this ruler Jairus and he, he says in, in verse 24, and Jesus went with him 
and much people followed him and thronged him. I looked up the word thronged, and it says to be or to go somewhere in very large numbers. Keep that in mind. Again, just park that in the back of your mind. We'll bring that back up on the next bit, because again, it's two for one tonight. You're going to learn two stories for one. Humility gets God's attention. And note that these people that were around Jesus at first, they witnessed a very powerful man come and beg for help. They witnessed this. They observed this. Understand the rulers of the synagogues, they weren't dressed normally. They had clothes on that that indicated that they were special. He didn't go there with just some random clothes. No, no. He was dressed the way that he was. Why? So that people can notice that. Note that these people witness a very powerful man come and beg for, for help. Um, that being said, humility gets God's attention. The next couple of verses shows us another thing, another characteristic about Jesus Christ that, that far exceeds us. And it's simply this, Jesus stops, stops what he's supposed to do to heal a woman. And the Bible, again, doesn't share to you the name of the woman, but shares to you the context in which the woman approaches Jesus. Shares to you the the story behind this woman. And and again, the the Bible is so beautiful how it clears that up. And, And sometimes we think that if you add a name, it would have been better so that we can associate that with somebody. But I think through the scriptures and as, as you read through the Bible, God leaves names out for specific reasons. And maybe if the name was added, like what I said on Sunday, it could have changed the whole story. It would have changed it from not the work of Jesus Christ, but that individual themselves. But here's the thought. Jesus stopped to heal an unknown woman. That's point two. We are given the context of the woman, but not her name. In verse 25, it says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, And had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all she had, all that she had, and was was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. And verse 28 shows the faith of this, of this lady. Again, similarly to what was said before. Let's look at verse 28. It says, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I, what's that word? shall be whole. So now you have two individuals right now. You have Jairus that was on his feet, on his knees before a a holy God and said, hey, if you touch my daughter, if you just come lay your hands on her, then she shall live. And then you have this woman coming up to him in the same time and say, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I, 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 I shall, I shall be whole. The context is this. Twelve years she had an issue of blood. And it, I guess because we're talking to adults today, it's, um, it's, very, uh, it's easier for me to discuss this. But we need to understand that if you put yourself in this lady's predicament, She had an issue with her blood, her menstrual cycle. And it didn't stop. 
Uh, for 12 years, she had an issue of blood. She sought for help for many physicians. She spent all that she had. It says there, she spent all that she had and was nothing better. Not only was she broke, but the condition was more worse than she, she even started. And now you see the desperation of this woman. But I fear that sometimes we, we learn things about them and we don't see the, the social things that, that will come as a repercussion of this. She desired not to speak with Jesus but touch his garment. And this is the outcome. So first point, again, I'm not going to be long tonight. It's just a thought. And it's two for one tonight. Humility gets God's attention. But Jesus Christ stopped to heal an unknown woman. And this is the outcome of this. He healed her physically. Jesus healed her physically. In verse 29, Mark chapter 5, verse 29, it says, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Amen. Because here you have a a woman that not like everybody else that was thronging Jesus Christ, not like everybody else that was walking and and trying to follow Jesus Christ. No, she wanted to touch his garment. And it says here that when she touched the garment of Jesus, straightway, I love that bit. And she tried everything in the world to to, to give her satisfaction, to give her, her, her reassurance back. Hey, I can be healed if I just go to the world, but... Do you know what? She, she didn't need the world. She needed Jesus. Do you see that tonight? And the thought is Jesus Christ wasn't just sitting back and doing nothing. He was on his way to see Jairus' daughter to heal her so that she doesn't die. But he still takes the time. Isn't that beautiful? He, he, because, because you're because you're. In a, in a high position, I'm going to put you in priority. That's not Jesus. No, no, no. So we, we call that partiality, right? And oftentimes, it's been a while since I heard someone say something like that. That just because you are successful in your business doesn't mean that God loves you more. Amen? And just because you may have more talents than another person doesn't mean that God loves you more. You know, he's just giving you a privilege an opportunity to use that for his glory. And so much the more, you'll be more accountable for what you have than the person that does not have that. That's scary. That's a scary thought. So humility gets God's attention. But he goes and he heals this unknown woman. And the outcome is that he physically heals her. Let me ask you a question. Were the people around aware that for 12 years she struggled with this? It's a true question, isn't it? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I believe that they were aware. Verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, didn't say all his virtue was purity in this sense. It's not strength in the Old Testament. No, this is purity. 
know that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press. So he looked and he turned around and he looked at all the people that were standing by and he said, who touched my clothes? Understand that he wasn't alone in this predicament. There was a group, a, a large group of people around him. And what he wanted to do is he turned around and he said, who touched my clothes for one specific purpose? Was she already healed? Yes or no? Yes, she was, definitely. She could have ran away, right? And Jesus Christ would have noticed that and said, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to go see Jairus. But do you know what Jesus Christ did? This is so beautiful. He not just only healed her physically, but he healed her socially. She, he healed this woman socially. You have to say, yeah, you go, how, how in the world did he heal her socially? Look at this. Let's turn to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 15. Leviticus chapter 15. And this is part of the law that was given to the Levites. Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19. And we read a couple of verses here. He healed her physically. But he also healed her socially. Verse 19. Leviticus chapter 15. Verse 19. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days. And whosoever toucheth her shall be what? Unclean until the even. And everything that she lieth upon in her separation shall be what? Unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall be what? Unclean. And whoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and he be unclean until the evening. In verse 22, And whosoever touches anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be unclean until the evening. And if, and if it be on her bed or anything whereon she sitteth, he toucheth it, he shall be unclean until the evening, the even. And if any man lie with her at all, and her flowers be upon him, and he shall be unclean seven days, and all the bed that whereon he lieth shall be unclean. And if a woman have an issue of her blood, Many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be what? Unclean. Now let's think about it. He could have healed her and everything would have been sweet. But for 12 years, people watched this woman and said that she's unclean. Wait, did you, did you see her sit on that? No, no, I can't sit on that. Oh, no, I sat on that. You know what? I'm, 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 I'm unclean for, till the evening. 
Everything she touched, everything she sat down on, it was unclean. You have to understand that when, when she came to Jesus, she wasn't just broken physically. She wasn't just bleeding everywhere. Every single person that knew this lady was saying, hey, she's unclean. She's dirty. She's not pure. She could never go into, you have to understand this, this is crazy. She could never go into the tabernacle. She could never give her two doves a sacrifice. You have to understand that after the seven days, if, she, if her uncleanness was put away, then she could, she could sacrifice the two doves, one for, her, for, for sin. It's a beautiful thing. She can do that for 12 years. And now you see how, how Jesus Christ saw when he turned around and he said, who touched my clothes? His disciples actually sort of mocked him a bit. Let's look at the verse. His disciples actually said to him, look, there's a lot of people here. Why would you, why would you care about who touched your clothes? Let's look there. Let's turn back to Mark. Mark chapter 5. It says this in verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitudes thronging thee, and saith thou, Who touched me? You almost hear in a, like a smirk. Jesus, there's, there's stacks of people here. And you care about someone touching you? Come on. It's almost like when you read it, it's, just, it's like how they sort of portray Jesus. Like, why, why are you being so picky? No, no, because Jesus had to heal her socially. In verse 34, says this, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He said that out loud so that every single person that was right there, right next to him, that pointed at her and said that she was unclean, heard that the plague was gone. Beautiful miracle, isn't it? But the interesting thought, he healed her physically, but also socially. For years, she could not do her sacrifices. For years, people looked at her and said, unclean. Twelve years of separation. You sort of think in your mind, you know, with all these miracles that took place, what was God trying to show? Why, why would he put so many of these miracles there? So you have to understand that the Israelites were, were looking towards and they're looking for, for a king that would come and that would take over the Roman Empire and will set apart them and they'll become Israel the way that they should be. They look for a, a mighty man of valor to come and, and fight and, and, and rule a kingdom but they didn't realize that that kingdom wasn't then. And Jesus Christ was king. He just came, firstly, to serve. And as we discussed this morning, and, and the eyes of the, the 10 students sort of just went boom, like this, like deer in headlights. And when he said to him, hey, Jesus Christ, 
wasn't, is not always going to be that nice, graceful person that did miracles. No. When Jesus Christ comes back, if you read the Bible, he's not going to come as a nice person. He's going to come as a judge. And he will be a righteous judge. And so at this time, knowing that Jesus Christ knew this, he turned around and said, you know what? She shall be healed from her plague. And when this all happened, Jairus' daughter slipped into eternity. There will always be people, and this is fourthly. So firstly, humility gets God's attention. Secondly, Jesus stops to heal an unknown woman. Thirdly, there was an outcome. Fourthly, there will always be people who won't understand. There will always be people who won't understand. The disciples couldn't see the implications. The disciples didn't see, um, see how he was trying to help her socially. No, no. They stated what was a reasonable explanation. In verse 35, it says this. When, when, when Jairus' daughter passed away, they sent a messenger to come up. And it says, while he yet spake. This is when Jesus was yet speaking. They came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Were they speaking to Jesus? No. They were talking to who? Who was Jesus walking with? Jairus. He said, hey, your daughter's dead now. Why, why waste your time? And like what I said, um, point four, there will always be people who won't understand. And if you've, if you've read this chapter before, I'm just going to go straight into in verse 35. It says, while he yet spoke, he spake, they came um, from the ruler synagogue, uh, certain, and, and the, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? In verse 40, skip five verses, it says this. When Jesus Christ actually mentioned to them, now she's sleeping. In verse 40, it says, and they laughed him to scorn. And they laughed him to scorn. It's interesting, the people that were mourning laughed at the statements of Christ. Do you know what that showed me? They were unbelievers. They didn't believe God, Jesus Christ, can do anything. They didn't believe that he, he could raise this young girl up again. So they laughed in his face. There will always be people who won't understand. But fifthly, through Christ, we learn how to deal with people, with those people. See, when, um, when the disciples told Jesus that statement, why, why you care about someone touching your clothes, he actually doesn't respond to them. Do you know what he does? Jesus actually turns around and he addresses the woman. It might not make sense to you right now, but it does make a whole lot of sense when you put it all together. When someone ridiculed Jesus, he didn't respond to them. He went through the cause, went to the person he's trying to help. And that was who? The, young, the, the woman. Not only that, the second one was instead of addressing the bearers of the news, he addressed Jairus. 
He didn't talk to the, the bearers of the news that said, why, why trouble with you, the master? No, he turns around. And if you read the, this chapter in verse 36, he says this. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And that last group of people that laughed him to scorn was the only people he actually reacted to. And he moved them, not because for himself, but for the mother and the father. In verse 40, it says, And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them, them all out, do you notice that? He went into the house and they were there and there, there's a, a multitude of people weeping and crying. And Jesus Christ says, no, no, she's asleep. And they laugh him to scorn. Do you know what he does? He takes the scorners out. And that's a scary thought today because the ones that, that, were, that, that unintentionally didn't see what was actually going on, they had mercy. God had mercy on them. But the ones that he actually judged and put out were who? The scorners. So be careful. Be careful you're not part of that group. Amen? Be careful what you say. Because maybe God will just have to put you out in order for him to do something great. In order for him to see this young girl, that was 12 years old, by the way, to get up from her bed and walk again. He put out the scorners. And so... It's one of the things I learned. If you hang around a scorner, you become one. If you hang around a crazy critic, and not, not a critic to, 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 to edify, but a critic to tear down, you'll start tearing down people that you, you never cared about before, that never had any business with you. You just tear them down for some reason. Why? Because you're listening to the wrong people. And Jesus Christ didn't want the father and the mother to listen to the scorners. And so he put them out. And he says this, He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth into where the damsel was lying. And this miracle happens in verse 41. In verse 41, and we'll finish up soon. Thank you for um, listening so well. It's fine. Verse 41, he says, He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of, of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Astonishment. Verse 43 is an interesting verse. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. That's our Savior. No, no, don't, don't tell anyone what happened. Let them see. Let them see. And so the thoughts for tonight is this. As we close off this month of prayer, for those who think, um, as, we, as we close off this month of prayer, I pray that God did something for you this, this month. Those that wrote their names in the back page over there, 
I pray you stayed faithful to that. And those that didn't, I pray that you prayed <laughs> during this month. And I sure you did. But understand this again as we close off this month and this theme of prayer. Humility gets God's attention. So humble yourself. It's easy to say it's hard to do sometimes. Secondly, God is not partial in whom he answers. I get a lot of texts. I have a lot of people say, Pastor, can you pray for me? And I say, you know what? I don't have a monopoly on God. I'm not holier than you. God listens to you just as much as he listens to me, but I'll pray with you. God is not partial in whom he answers. God can heal more than just the physical. That's one of the things I learned from this passage. But sometimes your, your, your infirmity is not really physical. Something else. Something that you deal with. Your own pain. Maybe a failure that you've had. Maybe it's a mental thing. But God can heal far more than just physical. Amen? Next point is this. There will always be those that won't understand. Get those negative people out. And lastly, continue in faith. Just continue. He said, you know what? No man should know it. Commanded them, hey, her life is not over. Your life is not over. Get her something to eat. And let's get on with it. Amen? So that's two for one tonight. I went through two passages, two thoughts. But we got six points, so it's a bit confusing, but. That's what the Lord laid, laid on my heart to preach and teach you. So hopefully it was a blessing. Let's pray, and then we'll break off. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll be dismissed straight after the prayer. So we won't have a song. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the time. Thank you, Lord, just for the willingness of your people to come tonight. And, and, and Lord, pray together, but also to, to open up the Bible. And, Lord, I know that, that tonight was a lot of simple thoughts, but... Again, it's just a reminder of what we ought to be and what we ought to see, Lord, in our life. And so help us, Lord, to apply what we learned tonight in our prayer. Help us, Lord, to see that sometimes people, other people won't understand, and that's okay with you. But also, if those are, those are ones that, are, that are, are being a burden or, or being a critic to us, help us, Lord, to get them out of our life so that we can see more greater things happen in our life. And so... Help us, Lord, tonight. I pray, Lord, again for, for, for our church. Help us to love you, God. And help us to follow you. And again, just get back to the basics in reading scripture and preaching your word. And Lord, to tell people about Jesus, about yourself. And I ask, Father God, that you bless us tonight. Give us safe journeys as we go home and bring us back on Sunday. I think and pray, Lord, for, um, for Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Yusuf that will be preaching on uh, on, on Sunday night, I ask God that you bless him and give him wisdom of what to preach. I know it's his first time preaching here. So I ask, Lord, that you just give him um, boldness and, and clarity. And again, for the services, for the music, for everything that will happen, Lord, to glorify you this Sunday, I ask, God, that you, you may be pleased by it and that your name, again, will be lifted up the way that it should be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. You have a good week. And... Um, God willing, we'll see you on Sunday.